August 14, 2018 was just an ordinary Tuesday for Dustin Swanson. It wasn't. A, it was a Tuesday, not unlike every other Tuesday. I woke up. I went to work. Um, I had a break in my day. So he drove over to his gym to take a class. It was a benchmark day that we were going to try and run a mile um, at a goal time. It's uh, it's very complicated. <laughs> so uh, it says press start. So you press start. Uh, and there's a nice little fan here that blows on you. And then you adjust your speed and your incline up or down depending on the uh, level of resistance you want. And uh, got on the treadmill and that's it. That's the last moment he remembered before dying. This is Two Lives. From KJZZ Original Productions, I'm Moro Morales. Dustin gets to class 10 minutes early and selects treadmill number seven. Walk it out. So in our warm up, we do 3.5 to 4.5 miles per hour um, just to warm up the body. Sierra Winters is a fitness coach at a Flagstaff gym where everyone wears a heart rate monitor. And your name and heart rate go up on a big screen for the whole class to see. So it's all heart rate based interval training. So our base pace is our green zone, so it's like an active recovery. Your okay. base pace, um, so nothing crazy. Sierra says it's like a light jog that you could maintain for a while. Sierra has been coaching Dustin for several months. We kind of heckle each other and we're sarcastic to each other. Half of the class is on treadmills, the other half is on the weight floor. Dustin is warming up on a treadmill when a friend next to him notices him start to slump over and grab the handrails. Next thing she knows, he falls and smacks his face on the machine, and the treadmill pushes him off. Sierra is working with a group of people lifting weights when she hears a big thud. And I hear a big, big thud, thud, you know, and someone screams, help. I look over, and he's kind of trapped under the treadmills. Sierra sees Dustin's head crammed under the treadmill. So she turns off her music, runs over, and asks what happened. I hear someone say he's not breathing anymore. So at that point, I yell out to the girl at the front desk, and I said, call 911. On the screen, Sierra could see Dustin's heart rate dropping. So she throws off her headset and starts chest compressions. And all I can remember from that day was telling myself, go deep enough. Because they always say, you gotta break the ribs and the sternum to really get the full depth of the heart. I know I was terrified, um, but I also remember thinking, you know, it's it's me. Like, I am trained for this. I'm the one who has to fix this. At that point, I actually straddled him because he's such a big guy and I'm such a small girl. Um, and I was just putting my entire body weight into it. Adrenaline definitely kept me pumping, for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. Were you shaking? I don't remember during. Um, I kind of blacked out. I had someone also clapping their hands to the beat of saving a life because that's how you're supposed to do your compressions. And they staying were alive. Staying alive, obviously, not my era. <laughs> but uh, they were clapping so I could stay on beat. So it really was a team effort. 
Even though there was a retired nurse in class that day that could have relieved Sierra, she kept going for three minutes, four, five, six minutes until the ambulance arrived and the EMTs took over. Six minutes is a long time to be pounding on someone's chest. And then a cop pulled me into the office and was just like, you know, are you okay? And I just looked at him and I go, I mean, I'll be okay when he's okay. And I just sat there and he kind of just waited with me. Um, and it took a while. It took a few, few shocks to get him to come to, you know. I just remember them coming in and saying, we got a heartbeat. And at that point, that's when I just started bawling. The last memory I have is getting onto the treadmill. And then the next memory I have is waking up in the hospital. I remember my wife being there. She told me what had happened, and I didn't believe it. I felt so great. I'd really gotten into good shape the last year, um, so it was I was shocked, to say the least. He was only 38. 38-year-olds don't have heart attacks. He had a blockage in his left anterior descending artery, which is a lot of times referred to as the widow maker. It's a serious blockage to have. Dustin didn't get it. He was healthy, in shape didn't smoke or drink. It had something to do with the way his body absorbed cholesterol. He learned his paternal grandfather had a similar incident at 40, but lived to be 85. In addition to the heart attack, Dustin had seven broken ribs and a broken cheekbone. First, they took care of his heart and put in a stent. Dustin, who sells medical equipment, explains how an artery is like a garden hose. Imagine a garden hose that has a bunch of dirt on the inside of it, and obviously the water's going to be restricted. Well, you've got to get water through there. And so it's a little device that it almost looks like a slinky, sort of, in that you uh, roll it down and slide it up and then deploy it, and it buttresses out. The doctors put Dustin into a medically induced coma with a tube down his throat to help him breathe. Then the following day, they flew him down to Phoenix to put in a defibrillator a device that sends an electric pulse or shock to the heart to restart it. Then a surgeon fixed his face, and he had a couple weeks recovering from the broken ribs. But in the end, what really hurt was Dustin's pride. This was truly like a, a near-death experience. Like, I truly was dead for seven minutes. You know, it was very humbling, to say the least. So in one hand, it's given me this tremendous appreciation for every day that I get to wake up. And then after that, it was kind of, I settled into why this has to happen to me. And when that started, I knew it was time to go back to work. Dustin's doctors warned him that depression was common after a heart attack. It strikes 40% of patients. Dustin's wife told him she didn't recognize him. There were nights where I'd come home and she'd just look at me and start crying. And I was, how do you deal with that? So his wife, who did not wish to be interviewed, convinced him to go to counseling. I never got to see what I look like in the hospital bed, but to think about the way my wife has described me and her looking at me, it's just, it, it's really, I hesitate to say appreciate them anymore because I don't know if that's possible. He said counseling helped his marriage and his individual outlook. Dustin has a very high paced job. I'm always go, 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 go. My wife and I are, are fairly type A individuals and, and there's always a, you know, a short-term goal, a long-term goal, a five-year plan, a three-year plan, an amended seven-year plan that, <laughs> that feeds into the ultimate 10-year plan. So 
that was the first thing that I had to address, right? And so like it changed my, my outlook right then. At least for a little while. After only four weeks, Dustin returned to the gym. About one month to the day. He set it as a goal to stave off depression. Well, I can choose to be scared of that. Part of my recovery was not that. The three of us met up at the gym. Sierra and Dustin talk about confronting his fear. Facing it and just, you know, being back in it instead of avoiding this place. I feel like that definitely yeah, no, helps. I run on treadmill seven whenever I can. Oh, good. And that's the one that you felt yeah. The one that tried to kill me? Yeah. Lucky number seven, that's what we call it. <laughs> seven is my lucky yeah. number, oh. ironically. So. It was lucky that and day because you're that here. Day. It's true. I asked Dustin yeah. what he said to Sierra when he first saw her. I hope I said thank you. Um, first day back, you know, he kind of tiptoed in and looked at me like I was going to freak out. And and I just walked up and gave him a big old hug, you know, and... He's like, you're not, are you okay? Like, I was afraid to come. I didn't want to mess up your teaching. I thought you'd be too rattled. And I'm actually very surprised I wasn't rattled at all. I was just happy to see him. Yeah. Um, so is there anything you want to say to Sierra? Thank you. It's not enough, but thank you. You're welcome. Okay. I know. Now Dustin just has to pace himself. Dustin's doctor and wife have helped him set thresholds so he doesn't push himself too hard. We don't want you above here until this date. And then here's another one at this date. I have a hard time checking my ego when I come to the gym. And so that's been an area for for growth too, though, with this. It's probably why humbling is the first word. He's humbled, but he's also living his life even bigger now. I've returned back to doing everything that I did before and more. I've actually increased my intensity with certain things. I snowboard, so I snowboard a little bit harder now. Not recklessly, but I don't know. One, I feel good because Sierra's got me in good shape, but why not? Live for today. And if he needs it. He does have a defibrillator to jumpstart his heart. If it ever needs to, um, it never has, so I don't know what it feels like. But um, I asked I asked my cardiologist, I said, well, how will I know? He said, well, have you ever been kicked in the chest by a horse? <laughs> Obviously, I haven't, but I told him I got his point. This is Two Lives from KJZZ Original Productions. I'm Laura Morales. Next week on the podcast, Canvary Cruz says her deaf parents didn't know how loud they could be. Everything from bodily functions to clanging of dishes, it all becomes just sort of white noise of life to a CODA, a child of deaf adults like myself. I used to sleep with speakers in my bed with the volume turned up to 10 and would still sleep through the alarm. So I also never heard my parents fight. Until one night, she did hear them fighting. That's next time on Two Lives. Download at kjzz.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like it, please leave a review.